it's September, so now it's officially, I'm sorry, unofficially fall. Which MCU character would be the most excited for sweater weather, spooky season, and pumpkin spice everything? Um, Lydia, since you have recently gotten mostly caught up with the MCU, um, so everything is probably freshest to you, you might have the best answer. Which MCU character is most ready for fall? I mean, I, my initial reaction was Bruce Banner because I just thought of him like <laughs> in Ragnarok and how he acts like after he's been Hulk for so long. Like I feel like he would just be like, "Yay, soft things and pretty colors and pumpkin spice! Yay, life <laughs> is good." <laughs> uh, Tabitha, who do you think? Uh, yeah, my initial reaction was also Bruce Banner because I just feel like the man enjoys a good sweater. Like, <laughs> he enjoys a good sweater. But also, in my heart of hearts, I know Scarlet Witch is a PSL girl, so. <laughs> this is also fair. See, when I was thinking about it, like, I just kept coming back to the idea of Thor in a pumpkin patch, Thor on a haunted hayride, and I feel like he would be having, like, he'd be living his best life in, in those two instances. So Thor's my answer. Uh, Matt. Oh, that's tough because, yeah, I, I would have gone Banner also. I, maybe it's because he's green. I don't know. That, it's the sweaters. It's, I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's the sweaters. Um, <laughs> kind of maybe extended MCU. Um, can we say Green Goblin? Because, you know, he already likes the pumpkins. That is true. And we'll talk about it more later, but not really that extended MCU anymore. True. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> man. Guys, even though, like, assuming it all happens and we're lucky enough to be there, um, you know, uh, assuming we all make it to C2E2, I really want to do, like, a group co cosplay this year of the Fall Avengers. Can, can we make that happen? Even though C2E2 will be in winter. I get that. I understand that. But like... I mean, like so you want to do cottagecore cosplay of... Of the <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Is cottagecore a thing? Or did you just oh, make yeah. that up? Oh, yeah. Cottagecore is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, cozy fall vibes is cottagecore. So in my head now, I'm just seeing cottage core versions of all the Avengers. I'm just picturing Thor with a frilly apron now. It's like a frilly plaid no, apron. <laughs> Thor would be like wearing plaid, but like in like a woodsman hipster kind of way, but maybe with a blanket. <laughs> so like So is Stormbreaker the axe he's gonna be carrying around then? <laughs> He'd definitely be carrying a Stormbreaker. I agree. He'd be wearing flannel, but I feel like he still also wouldn't have sleeves. I feel like sleeves yeah. would not be a thing. No. Yeah. <clears throat> like the redneck that like tears the sleeves off of his flannel. He <laughs> <laughs> just ruined all my dreams. Cot <laughs> Cottagecore redneck Thor <laughs> coming to a movie theater near you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket.
All right. So <laughs> the first thing that I want to talk about today. Um, so DC did this last year when we were all locked inside and couldn't do anything. Uh, but they are bringing back Fandome. Um, it is going to be scheduled for October 16th. It's going to be um, all throughout uh, DCFandome.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, October 16th, like I said, starts at noon um, Central Time. And so among the announcements that are planned is for Aquaman uh, King of Atlantis, which is a new HBO Max miniseries, uh, animated series. It looks like it's going to be not a serious animated series. Uh, speaking of Aquaman, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which is obviously the sequel to the 2018 Jason Momoa movie. Um, the Batman. Uh, also speaking of Batman, uh, the new Fear State comic event that just started. Uh, Black Adam, uh, Catwoman anime, uh, Harley Quinn season three, the new uh, CW series for Naomi, and then also Young Justice Phantoms. Uh, the bunch more that I saw, but those were the ones that um, I felt needed highlighted. You had my attention at Black Widow, or not Black Widow, Catwoman anime. Black Widow. <laughs> Yeah, and the the uh, uh, still or whatever that we saw for that was like, huh, that's that looks interesting. I don't know exactly, you know, how anime it's going to be, but like, I, I'm intrigued by that. I'm really, I'm intrigued by a lot of these uh, properties. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, because I've hated on Aquaman for years, but both the uh, Jason Momoa sequel, because that movie I surprisingly really enjoyed, and then also this King of Atlantis. I mean. The way that they've parodied the DC universe with Harley Quinn and made it enjoyable, I feel like they're going to do the same thing with Aquaman. And I, I hate to think that they're going to make an Aquafan out of me, but they might make an Aquafan out of me. I hate that you said Aquafan. Mm. <laughs> also, my brain's weird. And for some reason, I just like pictured a propeller on a boat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I that just holding a sign that, like is like aqua. He's like real excited about water, but it's Spanish. <laughs> it is. It is. You know the the key to life, or you know whatever. There's I'll tell you what. <laughs> what did you say? I said there's water in my coffee. It's true. There's there's water. There's water there's in probably everything. water in my wine. I mean, I would hope that there's water in your wine. Also, that big, that big ass awkward silence. If I remember to, I'm going to leave that in just so that everybody know just how awkward that was for everybody. <laughs> you should. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and get into um, our pull list. I, I kept looking at the title of the first book that we're going to talk about. Actually, the only book that we're going to talk about. Um, and for whatever reason, I just like, was, I, I don't know. I, it was a massive brain fart, but anyway, uh, the main, uh, the main thing that we're going to talk about tonight is dead box. Number one, it's out September 18th from vault. It's by Mark Russell and Benjamin, uh, Tiesna. So in the town of lost Turkey, the only source of entertainment is a red box like kiosk that knows more about the fate of its citizens than they do. Um, Matt, I want to start with you. What do you think? 
So I know that we've read a number of these vault, nightfall titles. Um, and some of them are, some of them have hooked from the beginning. Uh, some of them taking a little bit longer to get into. Um, it's more of a slow burn. Um, and I'm getting the impression that this is going to be more of one of those slow burn ones. Um, you do kind of get a surprise twist, I guess, kind of at the end. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. This one, at this point, I'm willing to see where it goes, but it didn't really hook me uh, like some of the other ones have, like right, right at the get-go. Tabitha, what'd you think? Uh, this read like a episode of the Twilight Zone, and if it had been an episode of the Twilight Zone, I probably would have liked it. But it was a little too close to home for the <laughs> way things are going in the world right now for my liking, and it just was like, like one of those things that just starts off like very deep, and you're like, oh, everyone is terrible. Thanks for reminding me in my entertainment. <laughs> so. <laughs> I liked the art and I liked the twist. I am interested to see where this goes and see if each new uh, issue is about a different movie from this dead box or if it's just going to keep going with like the story that it's on and the quote unquote movie that it's on. Um, but I mean, like Matt said, I feel like this is going to be more of a slow burn than it was going to be just like a quick, punchy, fast read. So it was all right. Yeah, I one of the things I really liked about this book was how it like subtly slash not so subtly showed you the parallels between both Penny, who was you know the, the main character of this issue, as well as the volunteer who was the main character in the movie that she was watching. Um, yeah, it, I definitely got those slow burn vibes. Um, it didn't really have a lot of jumpy moments that. I kind of, for a book like Dead Box, I kind of expected to have. Um, but there were a couple of moments that kind of made me, I don't know if uneasy is the right word or if tense is is a better word. But there, there were a couple of moments I'm just kind of like, you know, like I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. And I kind of hope that they go back to those. But I think that the scariest part for me, though, was reading this book and thinking back about how how far long ago the time that you know like I would use Redbox and how <laughs> long that's been and that just that made me feel ancient. Are those still around? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean they're not as prevalent as they were, but yes, they are there are still a lot of them. Um, Lydia, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, I think it's going to be kind of a slow, like, start to whatever the series is going to turn into. Um, I really like the writing style of this. Like, it mixed with the art style really kind of drove home, like, kind of how existential they're trying to make this. And there's, like, there was a few lines that I looked at and went, wow, that is really, like, scarily relevant to how the world is going right now and like I even saved ones like the the downfall of civilization will be its willingness to defend stupidity as freedom I was like okay it's a little <laughs> close to home there <laughs> but yeah the the twist at the end and like the parallels between her life and the story that's being portrayed in the movie like 
I'm really interested to see how they do going forward. And like you said, see if they're going to do other movies or if it's going to like stick to the one thing. I am kind of disappointed in myself that it took me like way too many pages to all of a sudden realize, oh, this is a red box. I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is this box? What are we talking? Oh, okay. I'm done. It's fine. I'm really interested to see where this goes going forward. Which also, like, just speaking of Redbox in general, like, like I am surprised that they were able to get away with how close this thing is to a Redbox. I mean, it is a Redbox, you know? Like, mm-hmm. did, did is Redbox not trademarked? I don't know. I thought so. It'd be weird if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Let's very see weird. if I can Google while on Zoom on my phone. <laughs> I go to start. I go to start googling it, and the first thing comes up is, "I said is Redbox," and it says it's still in business. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one who didn't know. Yeah, it's weird that we still have a Redbox in the society, but not Movie Pass. Redbox is a trademark of Redbox Automated Retail. No. Well, there you so go. It's trademarked by itself, but you know, <laughs> whatever. So, I. Should have had you guys read this uh, for this week, but I kind of forgot about it. And um, and then I realized that this book came out this week. And obviously it was it was on my personal pull list. And uh, so I just kind of felt like since we had talked about it so much, you know, I, I felt apropos to at least bring up that the final issue of Commanders in Crisis came out this week. Um, oh. It's out. Yeah, it's out now from Image Comics by Steve Orlando and David Tinto. Uh, so in this issue, we find out if uh, Com- Crisis Command was able to save Earth-Z. Um, since this is the last issue, I certainly hope so. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good ending to this series. Uh, I, I love the you know hopeful tone that you got from the resolution for, this, uh, for their um, plight, I guess. Uh, also, I did feel like that while this definitely felt like the end of... Uh, for these characters' stories. Uh, the door was slightly ajar, not quite open, but, um, you know, it was... It, the, the idea or whatever is still out there for a possible return to these stories. So um, now that the series is out and everything, I'm excited to kind of go back and maybe reread everything from start to finish again and get that whole story just all in one. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. And I think you should enjoy it too. So I decided to give you guys a lot of trailers for this week's trailer takedown. And we're going to start off with a couple of one. We got the final trailer for it. The other one is actually coming out tomorrow. The first matchup is Shang-Chi versus Eternals. Um, I am giving... so. Shang-Chi, like, I don't know, this just, this movie just looks like a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's gonna be, in my opinion, kind of one of the Marvel movies that Marvel doesn't take too seriously, like the, especially the first Guardians of the Galaxy, or maybe even Thor Ragnarok, you know, Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of just fun moments, Um, not to go back to being an Aqua fan, but Aquafina is surprisingly hilarious in all the trailers that I've seen for this. Um, 
And like I said, that goes up against Eternals. And while I will absolutely watch Eternals, I'm excited for Eternals. Um, I just, especially after this trailer, I just kind of like, I don't know. I'm, it's weird. I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, okay, this is a thing, you know? Um, it didn't have a whole lot of actiony moments. It was just, it was a lot of backstory. And I guess for something like Eternals that a lot of people don't know about, maybe I guess you need it. Um, so I'm giving Shang-Chi six points and Eternals four. Uh, I feel like Eternals is like the broccoli of the MCU. It's like, you know, you got to have it. You, you're going to have it. But Shang-Chi is that dessert with like, sprinkles and like sparklers you know that you get for your birthday at tgi fridays or whatever um that you're really excited for um tabitha you're giving me a look so we're gonna go to you that was the strangest <laughs> comparison i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> every trailer that we get for shang chi makes me more excited to watch it um Whereas every trailer we get for the Eternals almost makes me want to see it less. Um, the only thing about the Eternals that's even vaguely interesting to me is like, like you said, we know we need to watch it, you know, but the cast is fantastic. I just don't know if the cast is going to be enough to make this movie worth my time. Um, so I'm going to give seven points to Shang-Chi. Most of those for Aquafina not Shang-Chi the movie, just Aquafina, and three for Lydia. Yeah, I'm going to have to kind of agree with Tabitha. Like, initially when we started seeing the trailers for Shang-Chi, like, it's like, okay, it looks interesting, but I wasn't really drawn in. This one really kind of, like, made me want to watch it. This, it. this trailer did a really good job where some of the other ones have failed of, like, giving you an idea of the character without too much of the plot being like spoiled in it. So like, I don't know, it, it looks fun. Aquafina is hilarious and makes me want to watch it. Eternals almost kind of had the same effect. The previous trailers we've got for this, I really didn't care if I saw this or not. This one got me more interested in it, but I don't think it's, going to draw me in as much as Shang-Chi is going to, so I'm going to go with Tabitha and say seven for Shang-Chi and then three for Eternals. Matt? Um, I think I am going to echo Tabitha and Lydia here as far as points go, because Shang-Chi, I, I, I agree with you, Mitch, that this is, I feel like this is going to be kind of like a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of vibe to this. It's going to have fun with it. Um, there's definitely some lighthearted moments in every trailer that we've seen for this. Um, and the more action I see in the trailers, the more excited not only am for this movie, but to see Shang-Chi integrated into the rest of the MCU and see him with the rest of these characters, like how his fighting style is different, but complements like the other Avengers and other characters in the MCU. I think that's going to be super interesting as we go down the line. Um, the Eternals, I, I like that we finally got the answer to the where have they been question, um, considering that's been the question from the very beginning of these trailers, is like, why have they not jumped in and you know done anything? 
Um, the cast again is fantastic, but I almost feel like this movie for the Eternals is just a jumping off point. Like this is going to be laying the groundwork for stuff that we're going to see these characters in, in the MCU for years to come. And that makes me a little nervous for like the singular movie on how that's going to just play out. So with a score of 27 to 13, Shang-Chi moves on. It's going to face the winner of, and I feel like Tabitha is going to hate me for this matchup. We're going across the pond. We're pitting no time to die versus Spencer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Tabitha, since uh, you gave me that gesture, we're going to start with you. Hold on. I got to think about it. (laughs) So mad at you. Okay. So just going to read my notes and maybe that'll help me. So with no time to die, I have been ready for this movie for like two years. While I'm simultaneously excited for this film, I am also, no offense, Matt, I am so ready for Daniel Craig to stop being Bond. Like, get out of my Bond movies. Nobody wants you here. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's just, I said what I said. He's got to go. Like, I'm ready. He's got to go. I also hate looking at Rami Malek. It upsets me. I don't care what his face looks like, how many scars are on it, or if it's smooth as the baby's bottom. I don't like his eyes. They give me the heaps. So so we're going to have to see how that goes. Also, when they ta- started talking about Kestu playing Diana, I was like, excuse me, but why? That doesn't make any damn sense. And then they started releasing stills from this movie. And then they wouldn't release that trailer. And then... I watched her in a movie where I was like, you are actually a fairly good actress. And then they let her show off her skillabilities with the British accent and the awkward uncomfortable that is in its heart and soul, Diana, Princess of Wales. So I am going to blow everyone's mind and I'm going to give eight points to Spencer and two points to a James Bond film only because I need Daniel Craig to get out of my James Bond. <laughs> and if there was another one after this one with him in it, I would probably just boycott and not watch it. Because <laughs> at this point, I'm mad. Um, Matt, I feel like, especially since you call- she called you out in that, I feel like you need to go next. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I have always been in the camp from the very get-go when they said Daniel Craig is going to be James Bond, everybody's like, what? He's blonde hair and blue eye. This is the worst choice ever. Uh, he's probably one of the best James Bonds we've ever had. Like, as far as just, like, overall. I don't know. That's, again, my opinion. Which is wrong, but okay. <laughs> um, I've been ready for this James Bond movie for... I don't know, forever. Um, I'm ready to see it in theaters. I'm intrigued because it is essentially like the conclusion of an actual, like of a multi-movie story, which is something that James Bond has never done before. Um, so I want to see how that plays out. Um, honestly, when I first started the trailer for Spencer, I didn't have any clue who this, what this was about. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why does Case 2 look like Princess Diana? I'm like, oh, that was her maiden name. Light bulb. Uh, <laughs> and her performance, the look already is 
kind of uncanny um, on how well she's nailed the look and the sound of Princess Diana. Um, but I just have been ready for James this James Bond movie for so long that I have to give seven points to James Bond and three to Spencer. Uh, so the points I'm doling out are almost backwards for what I'm about to say. So like of these two movies, the one that I am more likely to see is actually Spencer. Um, my mom is a, well, I guess my mom is a huge. I, yeah. My mom is a huge fan of princess Diana. She's not, it's not that my mom was a big fan of princess Diana. My mom's still with us. Diana's not so, but she's still a fan, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> if you, if, if you listen to this episode, Bob, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I could 100% see myself, you know, taking my mom to see this movie in the theaters. I feel like it's something that she would really enjoy. Uh, I've never seen a James Bond movie. Um, I don't plan on starting with this one, but based on the trailers alone, um, no time to die brought me in more than Spencer did. So I am giving um, seven points to no time to die and three to Spencer. Lydia. <laughs> I am staying because I didn't watch these trailers. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm horrible. I'm sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> so uh with a score of 16 to 14 no time to die moves on our next matchup are two trailers that came out today i believe um it's wheel of time versus red notice um matt you're the one who gave us both or the information to both of those trailers so let's start with you on that one um so even though this is a matchup of very very different trailers this is kind of a hard choice for me um because we are planning to read well Tabitha's going to reread the first wheel of time book um so that we can watch the first season when it arrives um i know that a lot of people had been concerned about how the threads of power were going to be uh portrayed in this series um and Everything we've seen so far from this trailer just looks absolutely phenomenal. Um, also, side note, it makes me a lot more confident in what Amazon might do with this Lord of the Rings series. Uh, because if they're putting this much effort and production into Wheel of Time, which has been in production hell for seemingly centuries, um, you know, this should bode well for Lord of the Rings. But anyway, um, I still essentially don't know a whole lot about wheel of time and this trailer doesn't do a ton to like give you a lot of setup it gives you a lot of the world but not the specific plot of what you're going to be watching um red notice uh, this is probably netflix's biggest movie to date got three superheroes basically going head to head to head um and you have Ryan Reynolds' classic sarcastic humor peppered throughout this trailer, which is just absolutely fantastic. Um, I am actually going to split my points down the middle on this one, five and five. Yeah, Wheel of Time looks cool. Um, it looks like for 
somebody else, this is probably going to be like 1000% their jam. And if I was caught up on all of my TV watching, I probably would check it out. But um, I haven't even started What If yet. So I'm like real far behind on most of the TV shows. Okay, first off, speaking of TV shows I haven't even watched yet. uh, I mean, y'all know my love of Nightwing. Like I haven't watched a single episode of season three of Titans. And Dick Grayson is now officially Nightwing in Titans. And I still haven't even started it yet. And it's like, that's that's where my life is right now. So it's like, I'm sorry, Real of Time. I have no time for you. Um, Red Notice. Um, when I was watching this trailer, I just kept thinking, you know, this just looks like a dumb popcorn flick. Like, I can, you know, not go to the movie theaters because it'll be on Netflix. I can you know, whip up some microwave popcorn and just go to town. And that sounded really bad. But, um, but yeah, so I'm giving three points to wheel of time and seven to red notice. Um, Lydia, you did not watch these trailers either. Did you? No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Tabitha. Um, so wheel of time has been one of those things that I have wanted to be a film or a TV show adaptation of since I was in, like literally eighth grade so this is like long time coming for me and at first when they said it was going to be on amazon i was skeptical because we haven't really seen anything from amazon that's like this broad and it is so rare as a reader to see something in your head when you're reading a book and it's been a very long time since i've read this first book at least um it's very rare to see it in your head and then somebody actually put it together in a movie or a TV show and it to look the same. Like the cast is cast is more diverse, like the like you know, than the actual characters in the book, which I have no gripes or complaints about. I think it's fabulous. But aside from that, like the town and the hills and the world look exactly how I picture it. Like mind-blowing i've watched this trailer now like four times today it's the only thing i made time to do um (laughs) red notice i like ryan reynolds i like the rock and i like gal gadot but this movie just looks like an indiana jones movie had a baby with oceans 13 and then they sprinkled ryan reynolds in. so i don't know like again i could sit down and watch this and have a few laughs and eat some popcorn and carry on but I'm going to have no visceral reaction, which I've had to the Wheel of Time trailer now like four times. So I'm going to give eight points to Wheel of Time and two to Gal Gadot in that red dress because that's really all I saw in the whole trip. (laughs) (laughs) So another close one, a score of 16 to 14. Wheel of Time moves on. Random thought. I I didn't watch those trailers, but I just had the thought of all the mentions of Ryan Reynolds. Like, did Ryan Reynolds just spend a whole like year just making as many movies as he possibly could? Because I mean, this is like the third movie I've heard of coming out that he's in in the past few months. I mean, probably, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's not like he has to have like acting or a role. He just is himself in all these films, and then he goes home at the end of the day. Yeah. He just shows up on set, like, "Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds," and then he goes home. 
he was the last one added to Red Notice. Like uh, the Rock and Gal Gadot were signed on already, and then they brought in Ryan Reynolds. So, so Wheel of Time is going to face off against the winner of Spider Man No Way Home and Between uh, Between Waves. And I matched these two up together because they both deal with parallel universes. They deal with the multiverse, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Lydia, you saw these trailers, right? So I saw one. I watched Between the Waves. I did not, I have not watched the Spider-Man trailer, but I have good reason because I still have not seen Far From Home. So I intentionally have not watched the trailer for No Way Home because I'm like, there's probably going to be spoilers in here that I don't need until I see this movie. Because that's one of the like only movies left in the MCU that I need to watch that I actually like need to watch to know what's going on. So I intentionally have not watched that. I did watch Between the Waves. And I'm not going to give points on it because I feel like it's unfair to judge one and I haven't watched the other. But it was an interesting trailer at first. And then I felt like it just kind of kept going in circles. So it lost me about a minute in. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah. Like, I was excited when I brought up Be- Between Waves with you guys. I hadn't watched the, the trailer yet. Because I kind of, I like to get in the habit, unless it's, like, something that I personally am, like, super excited about. I'll wait until the day of, um, even, like, right before we start our podcast, to watch the trailers. That way they're still really fresh in my mind. Um, so, but, like this the premise of between waves looked really cool and that's why i decided to share this and include this in here um you all know my feelings on spider-man um and i'm not going to go into things that i would have gone with had i not started with lydia because i probably would have spoiled some things and i'm not going to uh, i can pick this out <laughs> it's okay um but like here there you go i can't hear you now have fun let me um, like wait when you're done <laughs> <laughs> but okay well since you know since she can't hear um seeing jay jonas jameson back um and more than just a cameo um seeing you know um doc ock like really is really exciting i 100 i do not trust dr strange i don't think that he is our Doctor Strange, whether it's a multiverse type of situation or if it's somebody pretending to be him, I don't know yet. But like, just it, I it, he he seems sus. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, so like what I wrote down, Spider Man is the mind f that I do want, and Between Waves is the mind f that I don't want. So I am giving nine points to Spider Man, uh, and I'm giving one point to Between Waves. Um, only because you almost had me, and then you really, really, really didn't have me. Um, Tabitha. Um, I have not seen the Spider-Man trailer either. Um, my reason is not as good as Lydia's. My reason is that I hate Spider-Man. Um, however, with Between Waves, um, I'm not gonna lie to you, for the first two minutes of that trailer, I thought it was Gwyneth Paltrow, and I was like, what happened to your face? (laughs) Um, they didn't make me care about the movie or Gwyneth Paltrow's face, though, so I feel like I should abstain from voting on this round. I feel like an uninformed voter, and I don't like it. <laughs> All right, so Matt, you're uh, you're going to be the deciding factor on this one. 
Um, Between Waves, I love the premise. Um, And maybe it's because it's like a film festival type of movie with a sci-fi premise. But it looks cool. But at the end, I feel like it's going to end up depressing and sad. And I don't know. I know that like not everything sci-fi is uplifting and awesome and smiley and happy, but this it just kind of looks like it's going to end up sad. Um, Spider-Man, yeah, this may be spoilery, but Marvel has gone hard into the multiverse, and I love it. Um, if this is how they build Sinister Six, I'm all for it. This looks great. Um, I, I don't know. I'm super ready for this. I think this might be the best of the Spider-Man movies yet. So I'm going to go nine for Spider-Man and one for Between Waves. All right. So with a score of 18 to two, Spider-Man moves on. All right. So we're going to put Shang-Chi up against No Time to Die. Um, And we're going to kind of start doing a speed round here. (laughs) Tabitha, you rolled your eyes. I'm going to have you go first. Um. I'm just, I just keep thinking about how mad I am at James Bond. So I'm going to give <laughs> nine to Shang-Chi and one to James Bond, only because of him. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do you one better, Tabitha. I'm, going, I'm giving all my points to Shang-Chi. Uh, I'm not going to start watching James Bond movies now, even if this trailer was kind of cool. So, yeah. Um, Lydia. So I, I didn't watch the James Bond trailer, but I feel like no, no Time to Die is not a like good name because I feel like at this point James Bond movies probably should die. We've had enough. Um, so Shang-Chi <laughs> can have all of my points. Um, Matt, this is purely for uh, just for the record now. So <laughs> there you get some mood points. I might as well just go five and five. <laughs> just. Just for the sake of having points in the game. <laughs> so with a score of 34 to 6, Shang-Chi moves on. It'll face off against Wheel of Time versus Spider-Man. Um, surprise, not, I guess not surprisingly, because Spider-Man's still going to win for me. Uh, but Wheel of Time does get points. If I had more time in my wheel, I would give this movie a, or this TV show a shot. But... <laughs> <laughs> I let you have the first one for free. <laughs> uh, but still, at the end of the day, I'm going to see Spider Man uh, No Way Home uh, probably approximately 12 times before I even think about starting Wheel of Time. So uh, Spider Man gets eight points, Wheel of Time gets two. Um, Tabitha, I think I know where your points lie, but. Yeah, just go ahead and give Wheel of Time 10. And we'll just stop talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lydia, do you have anything to add to this conversation? Um, I mean, once I get around to it, I'm excited to see Spider-Man. And I know some friends that really like the Wheel of Time series. So I know they're going to be excited for the series. So I'm happy for them. So not, not that I really have points to give because I didn't watch trailers. But if I can, I'll go half and half just because I know people are happy on both sides. We're, we're going half and half. All right, Matt, it's up to you. Um, I got to go seven for Spider-Man and three for Wheel of Time, just because the grand scale of Wheel of Time still makes me a little nervous, and Spider-Man 
I'm ready for it. All right. So Matt's going to make us do actual math because Wheel of Time and Spider-Man tied 20 apiece. So they're <laughs> both moving on to the final round against Shang-Chi. Uh, oh, no. Good job, Matt. I suck. So um, I'm going to start off um, Wheel of Time in this instance gets zero points and I am splitting my 10 points between Shang-Chi and Spider-Man for different reasons. I think if Shang-Chi still had like another month or two to go before it was released, I think that I would go more in on Spider-Man, but like I'm here for Shang-Chi, I'm ready for Shang-Chi. So yeah, I'm going five and five for them. Uh, Matt. Um, Let's go four for Shang-Chi, because, yeah, I think I, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm ready for this to see how it fits into the MCU. Um, and then three for the other two, just because we've still got a little bit of time before those arrive. Um, Lydia? Uh, I'm going to go five for Shang-Chi, because even with that being the only uh, thing I've seen, I, I'm excited to see that one. I'm excited to see Spider-Man, but less so, because like we've seen Spider-Man. Let's see some a new character. And then two for Wheel of Time, just because it. I like the idea of it. And I know there's other people that are excited about it too. So. All right, Tabitha. Um, I'm giving nine to Wheel of Time, one to Shang Chi, and we're gonna pretend like Spider Man doesn't exist still, because that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> so Spider Man is in third place with 11 points, and then Wheel of Time comes in second with 14, and Shang Chi is this week's winner of Trailer Takedown. With 15 points. Ooh. Ooh. Close. Yeah, well, doesn't doesn't quite get 10 rings, it gets 15 rings. Where are the extra rings gonna go? Let's just get some gut reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Gut reaction. We're 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 running low on time, and I feel like we'd spend the rest of the time answering that question, Lydia. So let's just <laughs> Let's just pretend like that didn't happen, okay? <laughs> so we're going to start um, with, uh, actually, Tabitha, I want to start with you because this story kind of ties into one of the trailers that we had talked about. Um, let's talk about the wedding cake for Princess Di and Prince Charles. So my stories are all a couple weeks old because I refuse to make new notes. So this is kind of an old story, but it was already old cake. So I don't think it really counts. <laughs> uh, a 28 out slice of the wedding cake from the 1981 wedding of Charles and Diana sold at auction for 1,850 pounds which is approximately 2,565 U.S. dollars. Um, it was originally estimated to fetch about 300 to 500 pounds, so about 500 U.S. dollars. But, you know, popularity ensued. Um, the cake slice featured a coat of arms colored in gold, red, blue, and silver, a silver horseshoe, a leaf spray, as well as, like, some decorative icing. You can look at it. It looks fairly good for like 30 year old cake, 40 year old cake, but it still looks like 40 year old cake. Um, it was part of the cake that was sent to the royal staff and given to Moira Smith, who worked at Clarence House for the Queen Mother at the time. 
Um, it was originally sold in 2001 to Dominic Winter Auctioneers on behalf of Moira Smith's family, but now, you know, it's popular, so they're reselling. Um, it's really oddly well-preserved, which makes me uncomfortable for, I just, I just, I don't, like, processed food freaks me out. And it super freaks me out when it's 40 years old and it looks not a day over five. Like, I don't understand. Um, the auctioneer, and I'm quoting here, said it's a very good sales pitch for cling film. So <laughs> I'm giving, I don't even know what to give this. Like, are my, I, I'm glad that somebody's making some money off of this. I'm weirded out that someone kept it for this long and just a little tin. I'm weirded out that people will pay this much money for 40 year old cake. And I'm weirded out that cake stays that pristine for 40 years, but thumbs up, I guess. I'm not eating it. Doesn't matter. Matt. Thumbs down. I understand who this is from, but why are you hanging on to 40 year old cake? That's gross. Lydia. To be honest, if I had this, I would still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. This whole thing seems a bit stale. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was hoping he was gonna ask me first before he talked to himself because I was I felt like he was gonna steal my pun. Um, <laughs> is that is that your first shame of the year? I don't think so. I think it's like my third maybe. Oh, okay. There's not. Well, many, I think she but... got cheeky one other time and got like two in a row. <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, like, what? Why is there even still a piece of cake from forty years ago? Like, who decided that was a good idea? Just, I don't care whose it is. Thumbs down. Like, put the, put the cake in the trash. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, you should have let them eat cake forty years ago. Um... <laughs> Two reasons. No one ever said that. And also, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm giving this a thumbs down. Um, yeah, I, I don't care whose cake it was. And even though you tried to make it sound better, Tabitha, by saying this 40 year old cake looks like five year old cake, I still want nothing to do with five year old cake. Like, no, nah, bro. No. Nah. Uh, Matt, let's talk about the Comic-Con Museum. Um, so beginning November 26th, part of this brand new Comic-Con Museum will be open. Um, it is going to be in Balboa, Balboa Park. Balboa Park? I don't know. I'd be California. I thought you said um, Elbow Park. Elbow Park, yeah. Um, it is going to offer exhibits, art, and images connected with comics and related popular culture. Um, <clears throat> eventually, it will be like a year-round celebra celebration of comics and such um, once it's like done and open. It will also have two classrooms in the Museum Educational Center. Um, they are renovating the old federal building in San Diego for this museum, so I love the fact that they're taking an old property and revamping it for this. Um, the grand opening is not gonna be until July of 2022, which will coincide with next year's San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but like I said, the first phase is gonna be open as of November 26th. Um, you know, as we're losing like pinball museums and things like that around the country, 
um, to have something like com a Comic-Con museum opening, even if it's all the way in San Diego with Comic-Con, I think this is great. This is one of those cultural things that we definitely, I, I think we need. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Lydia. I don't know. I'm kind of split. I think it's a cool concept, but I feel like if they're going to open something like this, it should be somewhere other than where the con itself is held. Like, like spread it out to where people that can't get to the con itself can like, actually see some of the stuff that like, I, I don't know. I'm just going to go thumb sideways and just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I'm going thumbs up, um, even though there's like zero chance that I'll ever actually you know, go and see this in person. It still sounds really cool and it's something that I would like to see. Uh, Tabitha. Yeah, this sounds super cool and I agree with you. I like that they took an older building and instead of creating something new and wasting materials, they took something and essentially recycled a building to do something nerdy and cool with it. So, thumbs up. So, in celebration of the comic publisher's birthday, Marvel has announced a bunch of new titles this week. Uh, just among them, there's way more than I'm about to mention, but there is a Daredevil event from the uh, current creative team, Chip Zdarsky and Marco uh, Cicchetto. Um, also, She-Hulk by Rainbow Rowell, uh, X-Lives of, X of Wolverine, and X-Deaths of Wolverine by Benjamin Percy. Uh, giving this a thumbs up, even though the last thing I need is more comics added to my pull list, um, I've loved what... Uh, Chip has written on Daredevil so far. It's actually made me a fan of Daredevil. Um, Rainbow Rowell, uh, I loved her work on um, Runaways. I don't know if I'm going to check out She-Hulk, but I would because of her. And um, kind of like the same thing with Benjamin Percy when he wrote for Nightwing. So um, not, Wolverine's not my biggest X-Men fan, but my eyes are on it. Tabitha. Yeah, I love Rainbow Rowell. I love her books. I love what she did with the Runaway series when they needed her the most. Um, I have a weird hate of She-Hulk, though. It enrages me. So I don't know if Rainbow Rowell can make me hate Marvel's anti-feminist bullshit, but we'll see! Thumbs up! <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Um, I'm going to go thumbs up on this because in the last couple of years, I have really enjoyed pretty much everything that Marvel has done as far as Daredevil goes. Um, I have not gotten into the Chip Zdarsky run of Daredevil, but, you know, I'm, I, I would do that. Um, I think Rainbow Rowell is a good choice to change the perspective of She-Hulk um for popular culture and um i didn't know benjamin percy had written comics but i have seen him as a novelist um and as a sci-fi novelist i would definitely be intrigued to see what he does um when he sticks his claws into wolverine so i would like i said thumbs up <laughs> um, uh tabitha let's talk about adventure time Oh, so I don't get a say in that one? Oh, I'm sorry, Lydia. I'm sorry. God, <laughs> bitch, you're so... I know, I was gone for a few weeks, but gosh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. It's okay. I was just going to say thumbs up. Like, the likelihood that I'll read any of these is very slim, because 
comic books and my attention span, but I know most of these names just from listening to you guys talk about them. And I, if I was going to read them, I would be interested to see what they're going to do with these stories. So, yay. Now you can move on. All right. I've had my moment now. <laughs> I promise that won't happen again, Lydia. <laughs> uh-huh. Tabitha, let's go to the land of Ooh. Okay, so Land of Ooh is coming to HBO Max. Um, they're coming out with um, an Adventure Time series that's actually going to be focused on Fiona and Cake instead of Finn and Jake. Um, there will be 10 half-hour episodes, and the blurb says, this spinoff will follow the leads on a multiverse-hopping adventure and a journey of self-discovery, uh, despite darkness trailing the shadows. After all, an evil is hunting our new heroes, and it hopes to erase their existence altogether. It is currently titled Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake, but that may change. Um, the gender swap characters are alternate versions of Fiona or of Finn and Jake that were introduced into the original show back in 2011. So we don't have a release date at this time, um, but a lot of the original crew from Cartoon Network have signed on to work on this series as well. So that's super cool. Um, I loved the episodes with Fiona and Cake and Finn and Jake in the Adventure Time series. And I think this will be a really interesting spin. Like, I love cake. She's just the best. So I'm giving this a thumbs up because I don't know how they messed this up, especially with people from HBO Max having signed on or from the original Adventure Time having signed on with HBO Max. Matt. Um, so it should be on HBO Max, but that's okay. Um, um, and sadly, this makes no sense. Yes, I am aware. Um, I've watched one episode of Adventure Time in my entire life, um, which, I mean, it sounds like everything that I would enjoy. But um, uh, the fact the original creative team is signed on, I think, is a good thing. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Lydia. So you started. You said Land of Ooh, and for some reason, my brain thought you were going to say Land of Ooze, which made me think of Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> My, my mind went completely in the wrong direction. Uh, but I don't really have a, like, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on this because I've not seen Adventure Time ever. So you guys are excited about it. But since I know nothing about it, I'm just going to go thumb sideways to stay neutral. Um, yeah, I'm also going thumbs, thumbs up on this one. Uh I have seen a few more episodes of Adventure Time than Matt has, but I still have not seen, I haven't even scratched the surface of the entire series. Um, it's always been one of those shows that I've wanted to watch. And when I do finally watch an episode here and there, I'm always like, well, why don't I watch this more? But, you know, <laughs> I am who I am as a person. But that said, this still looks really cool. I'm really pretty excited for it. Um, Matt, let's go back to Wolverine. Um, so if you've seen the original, well, I say the original, but like the comic, the, the cartoon that made X-Men popular back in the early nineties, um, you're familiar with the sad, the image of sad Wolverine laying on his bed, staring at that, that picture of Jean Grey and Cyclops. Um, as of July 23rd, a $200 one-sixth scale action figure of Wolver sad Wolverine laying on his bed 
staring at the picture of Jean Grey and Cyclops was available from Mondo Toys. Uh, it did sell out, but they but Wolverine did have four swappable expressions. Like you could swap four different heads to get a you know, whatever. Um, you could also remove the picture of Jean Grey and Cyclops from the frame and uh, put your own picture in there if you wanted. So he could sadly stare at your picture instead of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Um, yes, it's yes, it was two hundred dollars. Yes, it sold out. But whether it sponsored whether whether it spawned a meme or just was part of your childhood, I think this is hilarious and fantastic. And again, even with that two hundred dollar price tag. I probably would have tried to buy one. So thumbs up for this. Uh, Lydia. In a way, it's kind of sad this sold out because, you know, I feel like they just scratched the surface of what they could do with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not even going to set the damn thing down now. I'm just going to put it on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of money for an action figure, even if it was a meme at one point. But this just sounds like fun. Like the idea of how many different things you could just make him stare at sadly with this kind of piques my interest. <laughs> but still, it's $200. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Yeah, this is getting a thumb sideways for me. Um, as much as I would love to have this along with my other, you know, like collectible stuff. Um, the idea of paying $200 for a meme, just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, if I'm going to spend that much money, I can spend 50 bucks and get a bad luck Brian action figure. Um, Tabitha. Part one, I hate that a bad luck Brian action figure exists. Um... <laughs> it doesn't, but it could. I feel like it's probably out there. <laughs> the internet knows no bounds. Um, I would spend $200 on this just so I could put a picture of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his wife in it and then take my face over Wolverine's and then set it up at the house to make Matt uncomfortable. So $200 will spit. Check Roger. Thumbs up. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt, but I just like was like, I should go write these streams down before I forget them. And I, I was wrong, and Mitch was right. That was my first shame of the year, and now two shames of the year. <laughs> wow. I thought you had sats before, but I have no concept of time anymore. So that could have been last year, for all I know. <laughs> Lydia, if, I, I you're, I <laughs> if you're not careful, you're going to catch up to me. No. Not a chance. <laughs> I, would have to, I feel like everything that came out of my mouth from here to the end of the year would have to be a pun for me to catch up to you because yeah <laughs> even even not like on the show just like in real life <laughs> yeah so um marvel is reportedly planning a halloween special for disney plus uh likely based on werewolf by midnight um i'm giving this a thumbs sideways um i've read a little bit of that character but just like eh. Um, but still a Marvel Halloween special I'm kind of excited for. Tabitha. Um, yeah, Marvel Halloween special would be cool, but I don't know anything about the character, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Matt. And so far, Marvel, they've done well with the stuff for the MCU on Disney+. Plus. So I feel like whatever they pick is going to be done well. 
I mean, it can't be worse than the Star Wars holiday special. So we're going to go tentatively thumb sideways. I'm sick. Sorry, did you say you kind of cut out? Did you say worse or better? Because you're right. I don't think it could be better than the Star Wars holiday special. No, I don't think it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia. I mean, Marvel and Halloween sounds fun, but yeah, I didn't even know the thing that you said past that was a character. So I'm completely lost there, but sounds fun. Sure. Thumbs up, maybe, possibly. Um, Tabitha, let's kind of keep with the spooky theme and talk about Rob Zombie and the monsters. So we talked about this a couple of times when we heard that it was going to be released, but Rob Zombie is doing a live action adaptation of the monsters. Um, new images have been released uh, showing that instead of using CGI, he's good, using good old practical effect monsters. Um, as we've heard before, the idea for a monsters movie has been floating around in Rob Zombie's super messed up head for about 20 years. So he's had plenty of time to decide exactly what he wants his film to look like and what he wants his monsters to look like. Um, he's been teasing some things on his Instagram account for a little while now, and it's the effects of these monsters look like old school monster movie effects from like the 70s and 80s, like those original universal monsters. Um, so in an age where, you know, we're seeing nothing but CGI, we're almost seeing no practical effects anymore. So Rob Zombie has had this idea for 20 years. He's been, you know, planning this for so long. And now he's doing it justice as far as the monsters are concerned, as far as the special effects or, you know, whatever. I was really kind of skeptical, but now I'm just super stoked for this. And I feel like if anybody was going to take it on and do it justice, it was going to be Rob Zombie. So I'm turning my original thumbs sideways that I've had about this the whole time and do a thumbs up. Matt. Um, yeah, I, this, and I can't think there was one other project that we talked about in the relatively recent past. It was kind of like a, a pet project that somebody got to do because of their popularity and because of the things that they'd done in the past. Um, and I feel like this is one of those situations where it's going to be hugely beneficial that he's had this idea for so long. He's going with practical effects. He wants to do it right. He wants to pay homage and he wants to still do something a little bit new. So thumbs up for this. Lydia. I remember us talking about this before and I don't remember what my reaction was then if it was sideways or up but like hearing what he wants to do with this it's definitely going to be a thumbs up this time around uh, yeah the idea of putting practical effects into something like this where you can kind of pay homage to the original and not only that but we've gone so far into like the cg aspect of things now if you have the money you can put into a cg thing you have the money you can put into a practical effects thing do it, do it right. I love the idea. Thumbs up. Um, I'm tracking slightly. I'm still going some sideways, even though, yes, the idea of practical effects versus CGI, especially for a project like the Monsters, uh, is exciting, and I'm here for that. Uh, I don't know, just something about... I just... I don't want the Monsters Rob Zombie-fied. I'm just... I don't know that I'm here for it. Prove me wrong, though. Prove me wrong, Rob Zombie. I'm here for it. Um... Matt, let's think outside the bun. Um, ding. Uh, so in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, opening the summer of 2022, 
a 3,000 square foot, four lane, two story Taco Bell will open up. Um, they will have three lanes dedicated to mobile and or delivery pickup orders, uh, one traditional drive-through and all of the drive-through lanes will have two-way audio video systems to interact with Taco Bell team members. Um, they're touting this as frictionless future of Taco Bell, um, which that's just such a weird word choice, but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> um, the, the, the images of this, like this two-story, four-lane Taco Bell looks crazy and wild. Um, I'm a little confused as why Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, but I don't know. Um, I guess you can get your Taco Bell faster. Thumbs up. Lydia. So I actually watched a video uh, by Matt Pat on this few months back now. And even then, like hearing about this, I'm like, this is a stupid idea. Like, this is so weird. And <laughs> hearing where they're going to place it and just like hearing more about the whole concept of it, it's just so strange to me. And like the way the building is like set up, like the kitchen and like the store itself is above where the drive throughs are. So are you just going to like get your Taco Bell via like a tube like you do with your money at the bank? Like <laughs> I feel like you're going to lose some like lettuce and stuff in, in there at some point. And that just sounds like a mess. Because <laughs> let's face it, Taco Bell doesn't do a great job at like wrapping their food up anyway. So <laughs> I, I I don't know how to feel about this. I'm just going to go thumbs down because if you're going to do something like this with food, you should have done it with something other than Taco Bell. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. My guess is that... Um much like Rudy Giuliani booked the wrong Four Seasons, um, Taco Bell <laughs> booked the wrong Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> uh, Taco Bell, you're doing too much. Thumbs down. Tabitha. Do you guys remember, Mitch and, Mitch and I are the closest in age, I believe, but do you guys remember when McDonald's got like the two-lane drive throughs and it kind of like blew everybody's mind and everybody was like, what do I do? So I <laughs> Very, very small town where McDonald's is literally the only fast food establishment. And when they put in that second drive-through, we had so many accidents. <laughs> <laughs> there were probably more accidents in my hometown in the month that McDonald's had that secondary drive-through lane than in the rest of all time. <laughs> I just there's literally one stoplight, so it's really hard to have a car accident there unless it involves a tractor or you hit a cow on the highway. Um, so there were so many car wrecks, and all I can think about is not that they would ever get a Taco Bell because it's just we can't have that kind of food establishment in my hometown. Um, uh, like they, they put a four lane multi story Taco Bell, like the whole town would just implode. Like they would, like the day it opened, like all the cars would just like instantly come together like a big force field magnet and slam together. And they'd be like, all right, we're all dead. It doesn't matter anymore. Like that's all I can think about when I think about this Taco Bell because two lanes at McDonald's was too much. They couldn't handle it. So I can't imagine what they would do with four lanes at a Taco Bell. 
Guys, you've never seen so many car accidents in your life. Like you couldn't even get to the McDonald's because there were tow trucks. <laughs> Awful. Oh. Awful. <laughs> so, uh, so where's your thumb there? It's down because all I can think is about all, all these car accidents that might happen. Just a mushroom cloud over to have those home hometown because yeah. Taco Bell made it explode. It, I feel like it'd be more like a gordita cloud than a mushroom cloud. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, but I still ashamed you. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag story of my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Arby's has released a dice set for your next D&D campaign. Uh, the dice set is clear with a brownish center. And the set is listed for $12, but it is already sold out. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs... Uh, I'll give it a thumbs sideways. It's kind of weird that Arby's would be like, hey, here's a dice set. Um, but if Arby's was going to do that, like, okay, cool. I got a D20. I got a D6. Where's my D curly? Um, Tabitha. Yeah, they were going to put... I think you want to know how much time is left on the timer. Is that right? No. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> okay. Good, good to know that Matt and Tabitha like set a timer to be like, okay, this is the amount of time that we're willing to hang out with these people. <laughs> <laughs> My Google has a mind of its own. Um, it's the only non-Apple product we have in this house, and it malfunctions all the time. I think it's plotting against us. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I would think if Arby's was going to put anything in the middle of it, it would be a curly fry, but like a, a brown blob in the middle of a clear dice doesn't give me favorable thoughts about Arby's. <laughs> so I'm going to go thumbs down, especially given the local Arby's penchant for food poisoning. Oh, <laughs> uh, that one gave out lots of brown blobs. <laughs> um. uh. <laughs> That's all I would be able to think about. <laughs> Matt. Uh, I'm just looking at these online and I, like, I understand that Arby's somewhere high up in their chain of command is a giant nerd because that person runs their social media and they do stuff like this kind of regularly, but, but why D&D dice and why with the brown blob? That just doesn't, I, I don't understand that. So thumbs down for the execution. Lydia. I mean, the idea doesn't really surprise me because, like Matt said, so somewhere, somewhere, someone in Arby's is like a major nerd because their marketing for the past, I don't know how long, has been geek related in some way, shape, or form. So the like idea behind putting out a dice set is not surprising. Twelve bucks for a dice set, depending on how good like quality they are, is really not that bad. But yeah, just the brown blob in the middle, like. You couldn't come up with anything else. You couldn't like put a little like like you said like a curly fry or a little roast beef sandwich or so something in there. Besides that, like you had a good idea, and then you failed. So thumb sideways. Um, Matt, I'm terrified of this next story. Let's talk about some Tesla blocks. Tesla blocks? No, Tesla bots. Tesla blocks. <laughs> I'm terrified of this story too. Let's just be honest. Um. So, you know, we don't need from Tesla humanoid robots 
using a lot of the tech that is already found in their cars. Um, the idea that Elon Musk has is that these robots, humanoid robots, will be used to perform tasks like getting groceries or, I don't know why this was the example he chose, but attaching a bolt to a car with a wrench. Um, they're set to release a prototype of these uh, humanoid bots next year. They are going to be five foot, eight inches tall, weigh roughly 125 pounds. Um, and they're designed to perform dangerous, repetitive, and boring tasks. So the other two sides of this coin, and I guess there's more than two sides, um, they codenamed the Project Optimus Prime. But if you're concerned that these robots might take over, he said, don't worry, they're built in a way that, quote, you can run away from it and most likely overpower it. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that you're building in a failsafe where we can run away from them and beat them up, but maybe we shouldn't have them to begin with if you have to build that failsafe into the system. Um, they have a top speed of five miles an hour, a carrying capacity of 45 pounds. They can deadlift 150 pounds and an extended arm lift of 10 pounds. All of this is done with, like I said, tech from their cars and eight cameras and a high-tech screen in its head. I mean, honestly, they sound better than humans. I've already seen what these Boston Dynamics robots can do. I don't need Tesla to be putting together robots that have any kind of similar capabilities. Thumbs down. Lydia. <clears throat> so, isn't Tesla the one that very recently was having issues like discerning the moon from a yellow stoplight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you can even figure that out for your self-driving car what makes you think we need an autonomous robot that is the same size as a human being and can probably like kill me with like little thought to have any sort of <laughs> oh god I, I, i'm sorry you can probably outrun i i don't know if i can run five miles an hour or not consistently and not get tired like this i might be able to run it for a minute but it's gonna catch me okay like <laughs> i don't want this i don't need this this sounds like a science fiction movie gone wrong elon musk please stop please stop i don't want to die by robot i really don't as much as i hate humans i really don't want to die by robot thumbs down <laughs> uh yeah go back to space elon musk um, Lydia, you stole my joke about the moon. Um, but yeah, I, y y you know, you talk about how like this robot is built to do like menial tasks, you know, like just kind of like repetitive tasks. You know what is repetitive tasks? Like just about any workout that you ever do, especially with weights. So like I could see this robot, you know, like pumping iron and getting stronger. And yeah. <laughs> And it can, you said it can deadlift 115 pounds, right? 150. 150, yeah. Um, you know what doesn't weigh 150 pounds? A knife. So this robot can, <laughs> can go a stabbing, and I'm not here for it. Thumbs down. No, I'm scared now. Tabitha. Okay, so I can send it to work for me, and it'll do my menial tasks. But I am... You know that scene in Big Hero 6 where Baymax is like, I am not fast? 
that is me, except I'm also Baymax with a low battery. So I'm basically drunk all the time because I can't function. So I feel like this is just like a little mini Boston Dynamic robot versus Baymax. And in this situation, I am Baymax and I don't stand a chance. So I'm going thumbs down. Uh, Matt, we're going to stick with you and talk about a new Mountain Dew flavor. Um, so th- I was just looking because this new Mountain Dew flavor is actually already sold out on our website because it was available as of August 31st. Um, but it is um, Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. Um, designed like the Flamin' Hot Cheetos. It was unclear whether it was going to be Cheetos flavored or just like a cinnamon flavor. Um <clears throat> But they were saying that it was going to be a blend of spicy and classic sweet citrus flavor. Um, and then starting, what, Saturday, um, along with this, uh, on- this online apparel store, Broken Promises, there are going to be special Mountain Dew Flamin' Hot products. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> basically, this is already sold out. You can buy them on eBay for anywhere from $10 a can to $80 for a six pack. If you really still want to get your hands on some flaming hot Mountain Dew. I, I, I don't know why this is even a thing. This is just a thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah. that. I know they make different like drinks and desserts and things like that with like hot peppers. So I know that that's a thing. Flaming hot. A Mountain Dew that tastes like a Cheeto does not sound anywhere appetizing at all. Thumbs down. Yeah. Um, They are leaning hardcore into the um, gamer still lives in his parents' basement demographic. (laughs) Um, And I am not here for it. Thumbs down. This sounds awful. Soda should not be spicy. Tabitha. I love Flaming Hot Cheetos. They are my snack of choice. However, I hate Mountain Dew. And the idea of those two things like cohabitating in a can that I'm supposed to drink kind of grosses me out. But yeah, I feel like this is like basement dweller Mecca. (laughs) So I'm just, huh? So yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm just very uncomfy with the whole thing. And I like, I know how like we like to try the foods that we talk about sometimes. Mm, we're not trying this one. I'm not trying spicy Mountain Dew. Plus, like, my initial thought was like, okay, well, did they just put flaming Hot Cheetos in the Mountain Dew? So it's like... Crush them up and stick them <laughs> in the oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to put peanuts in Dr. Pepper, but just, no. Like, eventually, you actually swallow that really soggy, formerly <laughs> So... <laughs> and Lydia just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one last story tonight. Um, did you guys see the other video that I sent you? Um, it was it was that uh, well it was it was a tweet, but it, it linked to a couple of videos. Mm-hmm. Watched most of it. Okay, okay, cool. I'm really glad you did because you got to see this just amazing, amazing thing. So you know, it's not often we talk about sports, but uh, this was worth it. Uh, so the St. Louis Cardinals are selling NFTs around assets like Bush Stadium. Um, NFT, if you don't know, is a non-fungible token, which it's a digital asset 
that represents real world objects like artwork, video, and photos, things like that. So over the past week, I think it was over the weekend, uh, the Cardinals decided to be a great idea to have their veteran announcer, Mike Shannon, uh, who is in his 49th year um, of announcing. So yeah, he's an 82 year old man. They had him do an advertisement about the NFTs that they're selling. And unsurprisingly, this 82 year old man had no idea what an NFT is. To be fair, I have no idea what an NFT is. It's been explained to me multiple times and I do not understand it. Um, if you have the chance, sh- find these videos online. Um, I- I'm going to read you a couple of quotes that, uh, that the article that I originally read um, had. And it's just like, this is just, this is phenomenal. <clears throat> so I'm not going to try to do a Mike Shannon voice, but if you listen to Cardinals baseball, you are familiar with the voice. So just picture it. So you can bid now on one of a Bush Stadium NFT. What's NFT mean? What's an NFT? I'll ask Mike. Mike Claiborne, what's an NFT? It says right there, NFT, Michael. I'm going to find out if we have to turn this place upside down. We'll find out what an NFT is. No friggin' touchdowns. (laughs) No friggin' tonsils. I got my tonsils taken out, and they promised you ice cream and cake and all that stuff, and they know you couldn't eat. And someone said ice cream now and no thanks. Like, what? <laughs> this, this was like a Harry Carey moment. Like, he just <laughs> had a three martini lunch, came back to, to this baseball game, and then they threw an NFT at him. And he just didn't have any idea what to do. But I mean, but seriously, like, and, and first off, like, not to get my old crotchety man on here, but like, what is the point of an NFT? Like, I, I legitimately do not understand it. It's like, okay, cool. I can buy this picture of something on the internet that I could probably also find on the internet for free. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. I, say, I, I didn't I, know what an NFT was either. So listening to this, I'm like, he, I, he almost sounds like he's drunk, but at the same time, I'm with him. Like, what, what the heck is this thing? What's going on? <laughs> I've done some research to try and figure out try and understand this concept of NFTs. And I, like, I get it. I know what they are, but it still doesn't make any sense to me because the purchase of an NFT does not equate to a singular ownership of anything is the weird part. Like you buy an NFT of a GIF, doesn't stop people from on the internet from using it. It just means that you own the original. So I, I don't, I don't understand the point of that. I don't understand why it's a big deal. I understand why people are paying any kind of anything more than a nominal fee for these things. I just don't get it. It's the same concept of you go to a con, somebody has an original piece of artwork that is an actual print of their original piece, like an actual piece of artwork, right? And it's $500 and you're like, I want that. But right below it on the table, they have prints of it for eight bucks. You can either have the original or the print. And it's basically just the online version of that. But like if art had a baby with cryptocurrency. Okay. It means nothing. In 10 years, it won't matter. (laughs) We'll all be gone. 
<laughs> but see, the the thing with that though, like the way that I understand it, like you can't sell an NFT. So it's like if I were to go to a con and you know get that eight dollar print, you know, Tabitha, if you really liked that Spider-Man print that I bought for eight dollars, I could sell it to you for five dollars. I can't do that with this mm-hmm. NFT. Uh, also with a print, I can at least hang it up on a wall or do something with it. Um, with an NFT, I can get on my phone and look at it, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or, or you can print it on a Walgreens, put it on your wall. Yeah. So essentially you're paying for the right to say, Hey, I own part of this. That's yep. not a whole lot of anything. Yep. There's, there's no point to that. Unless you just really have a lot of money that you just don't care about. You just want to, <coughs> which in that case, good for you. You can give it to me if you really have that much extra money that you don't care about. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should just go with all in on NFTs. You're, you're right, Lydia. Now that you're thinking about it, like just like, you know, like wasting money on stuff. Like, sure. Why not? I'm all about it. We sell NFTs, to the original recordings of Geek Awakened episodes. Oh, there you go. Maybe it's a thought. I mean, I was, I was thinking back because like I had to listen for this, uh, listen in on this uh, meeting that we had for work that we have like every week for like uh, for managers and stuff. And they kept talking about a new promotion or whatever. I don't even know if it was a promotion. I wasn't listening that hardcore. Something related to my job starts on September 16th. And that reminded me of the like couple weeks in a row when I accidentally kept saying September 16th. So we could probably sell that NFT. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a soundbite? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... While I set that up and get that uh, get that sale going, um, before we wrap things up this week, a little bit of a programming note. First off, I meant to mention it meant to mention it in the first part of the show, uh, but we actually, even though we took a couple weeks off recently because somebody, aka me, had uh, had the COVID, which was fun. Um, so even though we took a couple weeks off, we are about to take a couple more weeks off. Um, I'm having um, minor surgery at the end of the month and I have to, well, it's, I volunteered to do it, but still um, I'm going to be working more these next couple of weeks to make up for the time that I'm going to be off recovering from the surgery or AKA getting ready for the surgery. Because even though I had COVID, they're like, Hey, we need you to test for COVID and we need you to quarantine. I'm like, awesome. Fantastic. So three more days of me not leaving the house. I love it. So uh, so we will see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Um, be sure to check us out on social media. We'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Um, any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye.